everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. I think most people would agree that the best part about a bad dream is when it's over. I mean, sure, at first it's disorienting, but once you have the realization that it was just a nightmare, you get the sense of relief. You can exhale and move on. But what if our dreams, even the scary ones, were somehow connected to something or someone else? What if your dreams speak to you in a real way, even save you somehow? Or what happens when you realize you weren't dreaming at all, that your nightmare wasn't a nightmare? Those sensations, those feelings, the things you heard and the things that you could see, they were real. Well, we've got plenty of stories to help us ponder these thoughts. So, let's get started, shall we? Where I'm from, there's railroad tracks that separate the reservation from the surrounding cities. And it's a pretty popular railroad. Trains roll through on a super regular basis, and there's a lot of emphasis to stay off the tracks and anything surrounding the tracks. But naturally, people don't listen. And my family's house sits right above those tracks. So I've had my fair share of close calls. Well, when I was 19, it was my first year living away from home, but that summer I decided to go home for a visit. While there, I heard from everyone that there was an accident on the tracks. It took place a few weeks earlier. A few kids, young teens really, were playing the game of waiting until the last minute to jump off the tracks. One of those few didn't make it on time, and he was killed. My mom told me that when the accident happened, she could actually hear the group of kids screaming. She wasn't the first to call 911, just one of many. When someone dies on the tracks or there's an accident on the tracks, they actually have to reroute several trains and close down the tracks for an inexplicable amount of time. My mom tells me that when she was standing on our deck late after the accident, she heard the train. She was confused because the tracks weren't open yet. So she tried to stare in either direction of the tracks to see where it was coming from. She didn't see any lights. She saw no train. But as she stood there a moment, she said she saw something glowing down below on the tracks. She tells me that as she focused on the light, she realized it was the silhouette of a boy. I asked her if it looked like the boy who'd been killed she told me that she didn't know what the boy looked like, but that she was sure it was a young man. I didn't question this. It may seem strange to some, but my mom's seen spirits my whole life. She's always telling me not to be afraid of spirits. And for the most part, I've always felt that way. Not afraid. But seeing something, actually seeing something. I wasn't scared per se. I was frozen. On the second night that I was home, I decided to take a walk along the tracks. Not on them, but 
on the man-made path that runs along the side where our houses sit. My plan was to smoke a joint, but I didn't get that far. As soon as I made it to the path where I could physically see the tracks, before I could light the joint, I saw a flash of light to my right, on the tracks. Then I just remember standing there, frozen, staring at the glowing silhouette of a young man. I didn't move, but he did. His head was moving from side to side. His mouth was moving, but I didn't hear anything, and I didn't get closer. Right when I felt like I could move, I did. I turned around and I started to run back up the hill. Midway, I stopped because I started to feel guilty. Like a genuine pit in my stomach, not grounded in fear, but guilt. I turned around and I could still see the light. I walked back down the hill and I walked towards the boy's silhouette. He faces me and I can see that his eyes meet mine. I don't see the detail or the color in his eyes, but I can feel that we're making eye contact. Something told me to close my eyes. The moment I did, I saw a name appear in my mind's eye. Riley. And as I said it out loud, I could see the light go away. My eyes were closed at the time, but I could see the change in light. So I opened them. I was now alone. I looked around for the light, but it wasn't there. I said aloud again, Riley? 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 But there was nothing. I found a tree trunk that was laying horizontally, and I sat there for a while, waiting for him to come back. It didn't happen, so I eventually went back inside and fell asleep. That night I had a dream that I was sitting on the same tree trunk, but Riley was sitting next to me. We were smoking that joint, and he told me he wasn't even supposed to go to the tracks that day. He had plans with his dad who had to cancel last minute. I remember trying to comfort him and also saying, so this shouldn't have happened to you? He looked at me and he smiled and he said, no, it should. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And then I woke up. Just to be sure I was truly dreaming, I checked the joint and sure enough, it was still a full joint. But what about the rest? That definitely happened. My shoes still had mud on them. Over breakfast, I asked my mom, so you don't know what the kid looked like, right? The one that died on the tracks. But do you know his name? She tells me that again, she didn't know the boy, but that the family had put a memorial on the side of the tracks, down a ways where he was actually hit. She told me that her and my father went to lay some roses from their garden, and she said that the cross had a name carved in. Riley. My grandma died in 2013, and I moved into her house due to inheritance. In the back of the house are French doors that lead to the porch, which my grandma would sit on every day. 
The handles and locks are very loud when they're turned, and every once in a while, I'll hear the familiar sound of the door being unlocked, the handle being turned, and I'll go to the doors and see that one is open without fail. I close them so as not to let hot or cold air in, depending on the season, and minutes later, sometimes it'll happen again. At first, it scared me, but now it makes me happy to know that she's still with me. I just want to say that by sharing this story, I'm not looking for judgment. I'm simply sharing the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. When I was seven years old, my brothers were three and just a few months old. From what I remember, our parents were still together at this time, but our dad wasn't with us on this particular day and not on this particular drive either. I know there was no discussion about where we were going. It wasn't a planned trip. I just remember my brother and I eating sandwiches at the kitchen table one moment, and the next moment, my mom told us to get in the car. She was holding my youngest brother as she walked out the door, and me and my other brother followed. I watched as she put my baby brother in his car seat. After, the rest of us piled into the car I remember looking over at my brothers. My youngest, he wasn't even buckled into his car seat, and none of us had seatbelts on. I grabbed the lap belt, and I put it on my younger brother, and I told him to try to buckle the car seat for the baby. When our mom got back into the car, she asked us if we were ready to take a drive. When I asked where we were going, she just kept talking but not answering me saying stuff about a fair and cotton candy. My younger brother knew those words very well. We went to the fair not that long before this. I remembered. I asked, where was this fair? I thought the fair was over. Again, she didn't say anything in response, just kept talking. We'd made our way towards the waterfront. And as we were at the top of a big hill that takes you there, my mom said something like, Whee! And threw her hands up over the steering wheel. At first, we all laughed and said, Whee! Too. But she didn't slow down. We started getting to the bottom of the hill, and she kept going. The thing is, there's a stoplight at the bottom of the hill and you can only go left or right going straight would just put you in the center of a pole and on your way to the water I didn't know whether to laugh or scream as I saw this happening I screamed that unleashed some chaos in the car as soon as I started screaming my younger brother followed and then my mom sort of sat in silence but didn't slow down I hear the sound of other car horns Suddenly, the car comes to a screeching halt. By this time, I'd closed my eyes, but I could hear my mom crying hysterically. My baby brother was too, and my younger brother was silent now. Since my eyes were closed, 
I didn't really know what happened. I just knew that we weren't moving anymore. I heard the door open, and when I opened my eyes, I saw my mom get out of the car, walking through traffic and just onward toward the water. I saw cars stopping, people following her. No one was walking over to us, though. I thought about getting out of the car, but I think I was in shock. All I could think about was how much I wanted to see my dad. Then I remembered my mom had a cell phone, but I didn't know if she brought it. I unbuckled and climbed to the front of the car. I looked around, felt around, but I couldn't find my mom's purse. As I was about to sit back, I heard two or three people yelling that there were kids in the car. And just as quickly, I saw and heard police cars and ambulance. Our doors were being opened from each side of the car, and all I could hear was my baby brother screaming. I held my younger brother's hand, and we stepped out of the car and into the back of an ambulance. We were sitting there, and they wrapped us in blankets, asking us if we were okay. All I could get out was that I wanted my dad. I asked if they could please call my dad. Some EMTs sat with us, and it felt like a million years had passed before we saw the police walking our mom back in our direction. Before we could go run and hug her, though, two officers put her in the back of a police car. Seeing this, I started crying, but I realized that I was upsetting my younger brother, so I silenced myself asking over and over where my dad was and where they were taking my mom. The last thing I remember from that day is seeing my dad's car pull up and the three of us getting in his car to drive home. Following this event, there was a period of time where my little brothers and I couldn't see our mom. We were told that she was on a business trip. Then we were told that she was visiting family we'd never met. Being as young as we were, we didn't question any of these details because we didn't even understand what mom did for a living. Eventually, I learned that my mom had a literal mental breakdown. Concretely, it was more than just a freak out. She had postpartum psychosis. She'd spent months in a psychiatric facility, and eventually, she'd come home, and everything would truly be back to normal. I was like 17 the first time I talked to her about this, and it was still really hard for her to talk about. When I was even older, I found out that my dad wasn't really around much during that time, that he'd had other plans in life, and the timing for his current life wasn't ideal. We've basically discussed the whole ordeal, and I've gotten what I need from her to move on in life. Luckily, I'm the only child that remembers, and of course... I forgive her, but that doesn't change the fact that it's single-handedly the scariest thing I've ever experienced. I'll start by saying that there are some details I never thought to clarify with my uncle and his friends, like where exactly we were driving the specific mile marker where this happened. I know that it was down Interstate 191 once we crossed over to Highway 287, heading from Missoula 
towards Yellowstone. But I don't recall the exact spot, and we didn't take the same route home, but on the way there, we all heard it. It was late summer, 1999, and it was my first time going on this trip. I was finally old enough to join my uncle, and, well, my dad would be there too, but he was at home remodeling the house. They did a trip like this every year, camping, fishing. So this year it was just me, my uncle, about four of his friends, and a shit ton of gear. My uncle and I were in his truck, following the four who were leading the way in another car. My uncle always drove really fast, but it didn't usually bother me. But I recall these roads feeling extra scary. Lots of winding and curves. I never said I was scared, but I did focus on the mountainside versus the road. My uncle was telling me a story about the last time they went camping. How they'd caught so many fish, but at one point they'd lost about half of them to a surprise bear visit. I laughed, recalling my dad's reaction. Then we were both laughing when suddenly we hear laughter that doesn't belong to us. And they said, <laughs> Whoa, going a little fast, aren't we? As soon as we heard it, my uncle looks forward and starts to slow down suddenly. I look forward and I can see that the car in front of us is slamming on their brakes and pulling off to the side. My uncle follows and now both cars are on the shoulder. I watch as the driver gets out of the other car and my uncle unbuckles to follow, telling me to stay in the car and not to get out under any circumstances, that it's too dangerous. He walks over to the other car and now all of the men get out and they're talking on the passenger side of their car. I can't hear what they're saying, but I can see they're making a lot of hand motions. I look around the truck's interior for a minute, thinking maybe a radio or something was turned on. But as I stare into the relatively empty cab of the truck, I realize that there's just no way. All the gear was packed tightly in the bed of the truck, which was not easily accessible from the inside. And this voice absolutely came from inside the truck. My uncle starts to make his way back to the truck as the other guys get back into their car. He doesn't look mad or scared. I couldn't really figure out what he looked like. He says to me, Well, that was absolutely insane. I don't really ask what. I just wait for him to finish telling me what's up. The guys heard that too. They heard the lady voice in their car. And again, I didn't really say anything. And neither did he. As we pulled back onto the road, I noticed just up ahead there was a pretty sharp turn. One that almost snuck up on us. Huh, I heard my uncle say. There should probably be a sign there. Oh, whoa, it's been knocked down. I leaned and I tried to see the sign, but I was too short. The rest of the drive was uneventful. But I remember talking to my uncle for a little, asking what he thought that was. But he didn't elaborate much, saying that it could have been a radio that spiked. But when I said the radio wasn't on, he was just sort of quiet. I know we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the incident on our trip, 
There was only one conversation where one of my uncle's friends had said something like, pretty sure that was an angel or something. Did you guys see the sign? They all agreed that they had been driving fast and not paying much attention to the road or the potential turn. I'm not sure what happened that day, but I know that if it was a ghost or something like that, they prove they aren't something to be feared, at least in my eyes. This is short, but it's all I've got. Before owning a house in the area, my family rented a cabin in Lake Chelan, Washington, summer of 2000. I was nine at the time and super excited for this trip. The first day, and for most of the day, we'd been swimming in the lake. It made for a very exhausted me by the time bedtime approached. I remember taking a shower and then I plopped down on the couch, started a movie, and that's the last thing I remember. Then, I'm awake. I'm awake, and my entire bed is shaking. Nothing else seems to be shaking, but the bed is clearly moving, rather rapidly. Surely my family can hear this, and they'll run in at any moment, I think to myself. But no one ever does. I'm terrified when I realize that I can't hear anything for a minute. I start to talk out loud, and I can't hear myself. I try screaming, but still I hear nothing. Suddenly... The shaking stops, and the lights turn on, and my hearing comes back. I'm sitting there, too scared to move, when I hear what sounds like laughing coming from under my bed. At that moment, I think, oh my god, it's Katie. That's my older sister. And in almost a moment of relief, I quickly lean off the side of the bed and I look underneath. No sister. No nothing. I booked it out of that room, and I went back down to the couch where I believe my night started. I turn on all the lights, and I put on some cartoon VHS that we had, eventually falling back asleep. I wake up in the morning to my dad making breakfast. He looks over at me and says something like, how did I end up back on the couch? That made me think about the night before, realizing there's no way it was a dream. I didn't tell anyone about the experience. I think I was afraid of getting into trouble or something. I knew that it sounded like a lie or a bad dream, but I also knew that it wasn't either of those things. It was 100% real, and for the rest of the trip, I slept on the couch. About eight years later, when my parents were looking to buy a house out there, I did give my humble opinion that it shouldn't be anywhere near the house that we stayed at the first time that we went there. And lucky for me, they listened. Back in 2014, when I was a teenager, I was still living in my small town in Europe. Bulgaria. Me and my childhood friends, two boys and one girl, 
would sometimes take walks along a highway, one which wasn't used very frequently. Most of the time, we would see a few trucks pass by. But it wasn't full of traffic, and it was very close to where I lived, so it was just something we'd often do. On the left side of it, there were houses. On the right side, there was a huge empty field with some hills here and there, but most of the land was empty, full of grass. On the right side where the field was, there was an old abandoned canal, which hadn't been used since the early 90s. It was full of trash and sticks, and it was also used to dispose of bones of farm animals, such as goats and sheep. There weren't so many, and yeah, it's creepy, but we knew they were from animals. We visited before in the daytime. Nothing impressive, really. Just an empty hole. One ordinary night, we decided to go on another walk along the highway. We went to the end once and then came back. We got bored since we were always doing the same thing. Someone had the idea to go along the small dirt road, which is alongside the abandoned canal. And we did, without giving it much thought. Now, have in mind that on the highway, there are streetlights. But on the small dirt road alongside this canal, there's no light coming from anywhere. It was a full moon, as far as I remember, since it wasn't pitch black. And we could see where we were going without using our phones. Anyways, we were walking, joking, laughing, just having a really good time. One of the boys went ahead of us, since he was walking faster. Me and the other boy and the other girl were behind him, walking a bit slower. At the middle of the dirt road, the three of us decide to go back to the well-lit area on the highway. And we called to the other guy to come back as well. A few minutes passed and the boy was ahead. He was almost at the end of the dirt road when he started running towards us, screaming, You guys, run! So instinctively, we all turned around to see what's going on. And we just froze. We saw him running very fast towards us. And there was something behind him, following him. Everyone managed to brush it off and run toward the highway, except for me. I stood there for a few more seconds, trying to figure out what we were witnessing. It's very hard to describe... It was a figure that somehow was shining bright, white light, moving up and down, coming towards us. When I realized I couldn't figure out what I was seeing, I turned my back towards it, and I ran so fast that I passed the others, even though they had started running before me. We didn't stop until we reached the streetlights, and when we did, we turned around. There was nothing behind us anymore. We were terrified at first, but then we just dropped the subject and never spoke of it again. None of us shared this with anybody outside of our childhood group, since we thought people would start rumors that were taking drugs, etc. It was a very small town. A couple of years went by. We grew up and everyone started moving out to the bigger cities in the area. So at one point, I was the only person from our childhood group left in our hometown since I was the youngest of us four. In 2017, I was hanging outside in my hometown with some friends. 
a completely different group of people who were never friends with my old group of friends. We started talking about random stuff, and then it got dark outside, and one of the guys suggested that we should share spooky stories. Then he started talking, and he shared how recently he and three other boys were hanging out during the night alongside the dirt road next to the abandoned canal. At this point, I was all ears. He then proceeded to describe how exactly the same thing happened to them, how they were just hanging out there, and then some weird figure, a shining, bright white thing, came towards them. They got scared and ran away, and then when they looked back, the figure had disappeared. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. My jaw dropped to the ground. Then I shared that a couple of years back, me and three other friends experienced the exact same thing, in the very same place. I asked him if these other people had talked to him about it, and if this was some kind of joke, but it wasn't. The story doesn't exactly end here. I went home that night, still stunned, and I barely slept. I kept remembering what happened years ago, and I was trying to figure things out, but I thought of nothing that made sense. What we experienced was just unexplainable. So the next day, I decided to share everything with my parents, and I honestly thought that they might just brush it off, say that, we were just too scared and imagined something. But to my surprise, they were both just staring at me, horrified. I asked them why they weren't saying anything and why they were just staring at me. Then they told me how, back in the early 90s, when they were teenagers themselves, two kids went missing. A seven-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy. Before they went missing, these kids lived right next door to our apartment, in the house that was facing our balcony. Since it's a small town, everyone thought that the kids would be found soon. But five years passed by, and there was no sign of them. Nobody had heard anything, there were no suspects in the kidnapping, or any leads as to what happened to them. Then, in the fifth year of their disappearance... Their remains were found in the abandoned canal, and by the evidence found there, it was concluded that they had been murdered, but the killer was never found. My parents said this event really shook the community back then, and a lot of people avoided going near the canal since it happened. The curious teens were occasionally visiting it and sharing stories of how they'd seen something unexplainable. However, nobody believed them, to this day, when I visit my hometown and pass by the canal, I feel so uneasy. And I don't even think about going alongside the dirt road, not after knowing what really happened there. When I was 16... My best friend died, Julia. She was an absolutely fantastic human being, and even to this day, it pains me that I won't ever see her again, at least not until I'm on my way out of this place, the land of the living. 
When I was 20, I got pregnant with my first child, my daughter. For some reason, I constantly had dreams about Julia. Most people had pregnancy dreams, like about being pregnant, but I had dreams about her almost every night. It was truly heartbreaking to wake up sometimes and realize it was all a dream. Later in my pregnancy, closer to my delivery date, I had a dream about Julia. This dream was a little different. I was watching her sit by my bedside, and I was watching me lay there in my bed, asleep. I walked closer, and I could hear Julia saying something, but I couldn't quite make it out, so I got even closer to her. I remember it seemed to take me forever to get to her. Once I did, she wasn't looking at me. Well, she was looking at the sleeping me, but not the one that was awake in front of her. Just remember, you shouldn't go. Don't let Danny go either. It's going to seem like a really good idea. But you can't go. Just remember, you shouldn't go. I watched her the whole time she spoke. She was speaking with such seriousness. The lightheartedness I'd once felt from my dreams was sort of gone. And then I was awake. But I could still faintly hear, Don't let Danny go either. It's going to seem like a really good idea. And then it was just the silence of the morning. Danny is my husband. The whole morning I couldn't really shake my dream. But I knew people had strange pregnancy dreams all the time. I just figured that this was my weird dream, since all of my dreams were about Julia anyways. New thoughts and pregnancy brain took over for the rest of the day. That night, I had the worst insomnia. It happened on occasion, but on this night, I couldn't bear it. It was almost midnight, with zero luck, and my husband looked over at me and said, Oh babe, we could catch the premiere of The Dark Knight Rises. I immediately thought, oh, that's a really good idea. Movies help me sleep, and if not, at least I'd be entertained. But it was that feeling, the feeling that this was a really good idea. It triggered something, my dream, and what Julia had said. Instead of agreeing that it was a good idea, I said I didn't think we should go out tonight that I should probably just try to get some sleep. We turned on some meditation music and essentially counted sheep until I was out. I woke up the next morning, July 21st, 2012, and was completely sickened by the news being reported in our town. It had made national headlines by this time, and I woke my husband up, bawling, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I tried to tell him what was wrong, but instead, I just went into my dream about Julia, what she had been saying, and how I knew what she meant now. And oh my God, how awful. He was trying to console me while also trying to turn on the bedroom TV. Oh my God, I heard him say, and he hugged me tighter and tighter while repeating the phrase. Oh my God, oh my God. 
We lived in Aurora, Colorado. We lived in the community directly impacted by the shootings that took place that night at the premiere. It was a heartbreaking ordeal, to say the least. Truly terrible for so many families. Unnecessary violence destroys a lot. People tell me I was touched by an angel. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about heaven and all of that, but I believe we take care of the ones we love when we pass on. Sometimes silently from the sidelines. But on those rare occasions, you might really get through. And you might truly change the course of an entire family's life. I'm so grateful to my forever friend, Julia. It only seemed fitting to name our daughter after the woman that saved our lives. Well, friends, it appears we've reached the end of The Darkest Hour. But be sure to join me every Friday night for a brand new episode. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your stories with me and with my wonderful audience. Also, thank you so much for listening and for your support. If you love The Darkest Hour and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button and tap the notification bell. You can check out our subreddit, and follow The Darkest Hour on Instagram at The Darkest Hour YT. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, darkest hour at gmail.com. Stay spooky. <laughs>